0: Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of Coffee Time with Byron, I am your host Byron, this is episode number 62, and alongside me via StreamYard on YouTube, on all available podcasts, next day, Spotify, Google, iTunes, you name it, iHeart is... Free agent, pitcher, am I am I saying that correctly right now, free agent? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Jamie Schultz, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing well, thank you for having me.
0: No, no problem, hey, and thank you for doing this. I'm Like I said earlier, we got off the phone. I know it's troubled times right now for you guys, because you can't get scouted, you can't sign with teams. So let's start off with that. We saw this coming last year, unfortunately. Uh, how how can you get through this as a player knowing you guys can't get scouted and can't get signed yet?
1: Um, I mean, for me, it's a little different right now. Um, I'm actually rehabbing my second Tommy John surgery. Um, so, it's a little different, but I mean, I think the main thing everyone's doing right now is just going about their business and you know, taking care of things that they can take care of, like getting stronger and working on pitching, hitting, all that stuff and, you know, just doing your thing and hopefully this, you know, clears clears out and we can get to a a mutual decision here and then start playing baseball like we love to do.
0: Now, do you see it ending anytime soon or do you see you you guys missing any of the season?
1: Um, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that point where we miss any time in the season. Uh, We still have a few months left, but I think a seven minute conversation or whatever it was the first time that the two sides met was uh, not a good sign. So I'm not sure how long it's really going to take. But hopefully, like I said, before we get into the season and before it's like, you know, kind of too late to to get all their signings done and everything like that. Because, I mean, that's a huge part of it too is just not being able to talk, sign free agents. um, Yeah. Know, get these guys rolling so and it, and it hurts a lot of guys like uh like me right now who are rehabbing um i'm currently rehabbing on my own um through a physical therapy place but like you know guys can't work with their their doctors and their uh you know trainers at the at the facility so that's tough for
0: them too now obviously like you said and i can see as well you're young like me so it, i mean going through one is hard enough, but you're going through two. Uh, God bless you for fighting it out to try and continue a career, but is there a part of you that deep down thinks that maybe your arm will just not last any longer for you to compete anymore? Is there is there a part of that in your head going on or? Like, what Um, would kind
1: of scare me? Yeah, no, I... I I think I wouldn't have had the surgery if I had any doubts in my mind that I couldn't come back from it. I mean, the first time I had it, uh, I was, you know, freshly, like, 19 years old and was in college. And, um, you know, I I only got stronger from there. uh, Jumped up on the velocity and and all that stuff. So, um, this is kind of a... uh, new age um fix to it it's not not the old school method of you know going in and just putting it back in with a new new piece of tendon or everything like that so this one um <clears throat> has a uh, little anchor in it as well so it's kind of like double locked in so I, I think it's gonna be good to go
0: perfect i couldn't have said anything better i wish you luck and i hope you do come back stronger and you have a successful career <laughs> I mean, you. before you got injured, I mean, you did. You had two successful years—one with the Rays, and then you had one with the uh, Dodgers. So, it—I it, mean, it was looking bright until, yeah, unfortunately, you had the second one. So, yeah, I, I wish you the best. Thank you. So let's actually get started on that. Like, like I said, you played for the Rays, and you played for the Dodgers. You were selected by the Rays in the 14th round of the 13 MLB draft. Um, did you know you were going to be drafted that late, or did you think you were going to be drafted
1: earlier? Uh, it's actually a funny story. So, You know the first day is usually it's like the first round so you know obviously i wasn't sitting around waiting for my name to be called but uh i got a call on the second day from the rays saying that i was going to get drafted anywhere from the fifth to the tenth round Mm -hmm. and so you know i was sitting there waiting for my name to be called blah, blah blah and Sixth round went by, seventh round went by Eighth round went by, and I was like, getting kind of nervous I was like, why haven't they called my name yet? Mm-hmm. And it ends up, the whole day ended Because the second day only Goes to the tenth tenth round And I was like What the hell just happened? And uh, the scout called me up, and he's like, I'm so sorry It like, usually never happens, but We found a guy to sign for a lot less Than, you know, what you were going to sign for mm-hmm. So At that point, I was like so I'm just like done like I don't know what happens So day three came around and I think like three or four other teams called me and were asking but like we didn't really come to a number and, and didn't decide on anything and so I thought the rays were off me completely and then uh, 14th round I, I honestly went and I was going to the bathroom because I was like I can't like sit by the sit by this you know computer and watch this anymore and then as soon as I got in the bathroom, I got a phone call. And it was the scout, and he's like, congratulations. My agent called me. He's like, congratulations. I was like, for what? And he's like, you just got drafted. And so I did not know it was going to happen like that. Yeah, go figure. Not you, were it, you were
0: taking whatever you were in the bathroom. So yeah, that kind of is
1: funny. <laughs> so literally, like, I had no idea it was going to happen like that. So
0: That's crazy. definitely wasn't expecting so then you start your career after you got drafted. You make your debut with Hudson Valley, which is their Class A, Class A team. Uh, you got you guys had a who's who of t- talent. God's sakes, the Rays are number one, along with the Padres, and number two in the prospect ratings. Take us through that season and playing with guys that you knew were going to be called up eventually.
1: Yeah, like I we had a really good draft class um our team had a lot of talent and then i don't know, honestly coming up like you know getting to play with snell and like see other guys like that you you just knew they were different and they were gonna get up there uh i became really good friends with a lot of the guys um you know ryan stanick i consider to be yeah. one of my best friends a guy who's been in the league for some time now throwing 100 miles an hour yep. and then, you know even even like some of the smaller guys that you know you were like these are good ball players but like they worked their butt off and they worked their ass off and and still like you know got up and made their debuts and stuff and it's like being in an organization like the Rays it was it was really great because they focused so much on player development and you know... I made a lot of lifelong friends and got to see them uh, succeed as as well as me, so I can uh, always be grateful for that.
0: Now, before you you went traveling up through the leagues, how many playoff games did you get to compete with, like, with those talented rosters in single-A, to double-A, then the triple-A? I know, obviously, the roster, they were a playoff team, but couldn't obviously make it, but... What about those other teams? Those A, uh, double, sing, triple uh, A. What was it like playing for those teams? Because I know those those teams always competed for the playoffs. And actually went yeah. pretty far. Yeah. So
1: my first year, we didn't make the playoffs in Hudson Valley, and then uh, um, when the next year, I started off in Bowling Green, mm-hmm. and we had a really good team there, and then I got called up before playoffs, so I didn't get to make playoffs there and then uh with the stone crabs we missed playoffs by like two games but made a huge late run but then in montgomery in 2015 uh the second half of the season i think we only lost one series um and end up going to the playoffs and then durham we had a little bit of a rough patch in 16 but then like 17 and 18 you know back-to-back uh triple a champions so that was uh Pretty special, and that was at the point where we got a lot of young guys that kind of caught up to my draft class, and all the guys that we've accumulated um, throughout trades and stuff like that. And those team teams were probably, you know, the best teams I've ever played on. You know, seventeen and eighteen in Durham was really special.
0: Yeah, because like I say, you it, you don't. It's not too often that you get to actually play with guys throughout the whole whole. Process like these guys, like you said, you literally grew up with them, and you they they advanced with you. I mean, that's awesome. You can't. Not many people can say that. I mean, how often do you ever see that happen in baseball today? You don't see that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, especially now, after being on a few different teams and signing minor league free agent contracts, you know, and, and meeting up with these guys, you know, I, I go back and tell these stories about, you know, oh, yeah, I played with this guy in 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And yeah. they're like, they're kind of jaw dropped because they're like, you, you guys have been on the same teams that entire time? Because, I mean, there's so many trades. There's so many times that a guy gets advanced or, or left in the dust and it was it was really special to continue to move up because eventually we either caught up to each other or like someone else caught up to us. So it was special.
0: Now i got to ask you when you, your major league debut with the Rays, I remember it well, but take us through that. Did you have goosebumps and who told you you were going to get call?
1: Uh, So I was actually, we were playing in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, it was just like a, Regular day game. And I remember uh, Rick Knapp told me to come down, the pitching coach at the time for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jared wants to talk to you. And I was like, This is really weird. Like, why would you just want to talk to me in the middle of the game? Mm-hmm. And so all the coaches were there. Um, you know, a bunch of different people, like Ozzy, I think Ozzy was there, Ozzy Timmons and Jared Sandberg and Rick Knapp. And they all just said, I remember Jared saying, Hey man, you need to go in and make some phone calls and pack your bags. And I was like, man, he's like, you gotta call your wife and call your family and tell you you're going to the show. And I was like, <laughs> I just started crying like right there and started hugging everyone. But uh, that was definitely a special experience.
0: So that day, dude, when you get the call up, did you think you were going? To, did you think you were going to pitch in that game, your debut? Do you think you actually were going to pitch or like?
1: Who- yeah. So I ended up going the the next day. And um, it was a home game. <clears throat> I believe it was against maybe the Indians at home. And we were blowing the team. We were, we were winning, like I think, like 9-1 to one or something like that. was I do remember that. I was like, this blowout. is the perfect time for me to make a debut. And then, you know... My family was down, my uh, wife was down, and just, we were just kind of, like, waiting for everything to happen, and then uh, I ended up not pitching. Oh, I got
0: it here. So at, it was the Oakland A's.
1: Yeah, well, we went, we played one home game when I got called up first, and I did not pitch.
0: Oh, yeah, and yeah, that's right.
1: Next, okay, I'm seeing, yeah. series, we looked at the schedule, and they were like, it's in Oakland, California. And so, like, my wife looked at me, she's like, I gotta go, right? And so she ended up booking a flight and coming out later that day. So we flew out later that day, and then she flew out the next morning all the way across the country, and then warmed up in a night game that next day and didn't go in. And then finally, on like the third day while I was up there, went in and pitched. And honestly, it was probably the most calm I've ever been pitching in a baseball game.
0: Yeah, obviously, because... You pitched one scoreless inning, and uh, you struck out the side on 14 pitches.
1: So, yeah, obviously I mean, it
0: didn't get uh, you were you weren't nervous, so you you mastered it well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just remember telling myself in the bullpen like slow down, don't try to overdo it, and I just remember like having so much adrenaline running through my body that like I felt like I was doing nothing at all, and the ball was just jumping out of my hand, so.
0: <laughs> now uh, I was kind
1: of like stone stone cold face the entire time, and then when I struck out that last guy, I kind of gave like a little fist pump, slapped my glove, and I was like, "Holy crap, did that just happen?"
0: Now, unfortunately, you were sent back down after that, back to the Bulls to make room for Ivaldi, who came back from the disabled list. Did you on, did you know that was going to happen, or did you did you think you had a chance to stay on the major league roster?
1: Uh, it was kind of a weird situation because I had come off of two off-season surgeries, uh, a meniscus repair and a, and a groin repair. So mm. I was kind of going through a rough patch and trip, Honestly, when I got called up, I didn't think I had deserved to be up based on my numbers. But it was kind of like Kyle Snyder, the pitching coach, had uh, kind of convinced the front office to be like, hey, he needs this to, like, figure stuff out. Mm. And so when I got up there, it kind of everything clicked and then obviously they told me i was going back down later that night but i don't think i was ever like disappointed i mean i was a little disappointed but i wasn't like upset because i knew that i had just like snapped out of my funk. so going back down you know after a, I mean perfect debut i i I was just like you know we're ready to go i can figure it out and i'll just work my butt off to get back up there
0: so then you do obviously. They call you back up, uh, July eighth. You finish with the you finish with them, going the season with uh, two and two record, twenty two games striking out thirty five and thirty in the third innings. That's a, to me that's a pretty successful rest of the half of the season. What do you what do you think of that? Do you think that was a success successful half of the season for you? I think definitely,
1: I mean, just to be up there for as long as I was and, you know, trying to kind of get my feet wet. Um, You know, obviously I would have liked to have my ERA a little bit lower, but Mm -hmm. in the end it ended up being just like two games towards the end of the season. Um, That kind of screwed that up, but, you know, I like where my strikeout numbers were at and, you know, just to have that experience of, uh, you know, half a major league season under my belt, I think I was really confident with
0: so unfortunately, after that year, uh, January fourth, you got designated for assignment by them. Um, who unfortunately told you the bad news that you were being cut? And when when did you get uh, scouted to go to or who who signed you from on? A, shall I say who signed you on the Dodgers side? If you weren't signed by anybody else, which obviously you weren't before the Dodgers did, did anybody else try and sign you?
1: Um. So, Haim Bloom uh, was the one that made the call. Um, I remember that day; it was a very strange feeling. Um, and obviously, I didn't really know how waivers or you know any of that stuff worked at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he had said that they were trying to create a trade for me. Um, you know. You know, sometimes they do these things to try to get the ball rolling on, you know, getting players in or out. Yeah. Um, And so I ended up being traded for a minor leaguer, Caleb Sampen from the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Friedman was the uh, GM at the time when I got drafted by the Rays. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that connection heading back over to the Dodgers kind of made sense. And so I think it was about two or three days later. Eric Neander called and told me that I was traded to the Dodgers. And I was just like, obviously, I didn't know how that worked. And I was like, oh, I was like the Dodgers that just went to the World Series like three years in a row. I was like mind blown at at that situation. But, you know, I I was sad to leave the Rays, um, but it was it was really cool uh, getting to join the Dodgers after that.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm seeing you only appeared in four games for them. Uh, why do you think your time was so limited with them? I know it was a combination. You got hurt. But what what do you think went wrong besides getting hurt? Why you only had four games with them?
1: Uh, I know it was just kind of an inconsist- inconsistency in AAA. Um, I would rip off like 10 good games where I wouldn't give up any number, any uh, runs or anything like that. And, you know, it's turned out that they didn't have many injuries and I was kind of just like there to you know fill in at the end and like I think my first three games I threw when I first got called up I didn't give up a run and I did really well and then hit that back down and then next time I went up it, it was just like a clean inning in the first and then go back out for the second I just got hit around by the then eventual champions uh, Washington Nationals that year so you know, after that second one, it was kind of late in the season. And then I actually got hit in the face by a line drive later on in yeah. AAA then. And then it just, there, there was a, a lot of mixtures of things that happened. And, you know, timing and uh, other personnel there. So, you know, I was grateful for my time there as well.
0: So was it Friedman? Unfortunately, guy gave you the bad news when you were designated for assignment September 12th of that year. Was it him that unfortunately uh, uh, gave you the news? It, it was
1: not him personally. I believe it was the minor league uh, player development guy out, in, out in um, Arizona. Because we were all a lot of us roster guys were out there, you know, trying to stay loose in case things happened in later September and then eventually playoffs. And then it obviously just didn't turn out that way because uh, you know they had another. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I, I get these calls when, uh, you know, these big name guys come back off of injuries like Evo the first time getting sent back down. And then uh, I believe Rich Hill was coming off the uh, DL, too. So not not bad guys to be replaced by. But, you know, you right. definitely don't wish that f- to happen to you. Right.
0: So after that, after that year, on November 25th, you sign a minor league deal with the Athletics. But then you become a free agent November 2nd of last year how come I know it was a pin I know it was a pandemic year and rosters were limited but how come you think were you still injured at that time why you never got a shot with Oakland were you still injured or, so, or something at that time
1: no so um I was just off the roster at that time on a minor league free agent deal, like you said. And I was out um, with a limited number of guys out in the uh, alt site in uh, San Jose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't name a specific reason why I never got called up, um, but a lot of times putting people... That are off the roster onto the roster you know cause a lot of transactions and issues and stuff like that so you know it just wasn't a wasn't a good fit for them and you know i got to at least sign a sign a deal and meet some new friends out there and uh i know i didn't play any games but i still got to go out to spring training earlier and then eventually you know practice and simulate games a lot of the time
0: now Take us through last year. How weird was that? I know, I know. Obviously, you didn't make it to the big rig roster, but the alternate spring training side and all of that. How how difficult was it to be a player in that time, not knowing what the heck was going to happen?
1: I mean, it was so strange because we were going through, and it kind of popped up out of nowhere, like you know, on, like everyone. But going through a normal spring training and almost being done with it, and then. No one really told us what to do. So like we had guys that flew home immediately. We had guys that stuck around and were like, oh, this is gonna be like a one week thing, and then you know, we all kind of figured it out on our own. Um, so I ended up going back home and just working out. Luckily I had a private facility that I could do all my stuff at.
0: Mm-hmm. So you
1: know, I stayed hot and still worked out and all that stuff, but like the uncertainty The no paychecks, the no communication—it was just such a strange thing. And then, finally, for us to like come to a little bit of an agreement and get this thing going, we were all pretty pumped. And then we did get to have that second summer spring training out at the big league facilities. So, yeah, you know, practicing on a big league field uh, for your second spring training isn't always bad. And you know, we got the ball rolling with that. Had a lot of fun, and then. Obviously, the, the alt site was better than sitting at home not playing at all. So it was, it was strange with the short, limited amount of people, with the protocols, the testing every day, and, you know, all this stuff going on. But in the end, it was, you know, an experience I'll never forget.
0: Yeah, now, now it's, the question is if you're vaccinated or not. How funny, like how times have changed since last year. It is now just question if you're vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, you get,
1: it's like which brand did you get? So yeah, so anyway. times have definitely changed.
0: Definitely. Uh, so obviously you were a pitcher. I know you obviously had a fastball, but how many pitches were in your repertoire, and what did you use the most out of your out of your pitches?
1: So coming up when I was a starter in the, in the minor leagues, I had a fastball, curveball, changeup, and slider. And, you know, I, I was predominantly fastball, curveball, and I would mix in the slider, and the changeup was used sparingly. And then uh, about the time of 2017, I was converted to a reliever. And I remember throwing a changeup, and uh, I, think it was, I think it was Ronald Torres hit, like, a ground ball through the four-hole, And then, you know, I got out of the inning at the end of it, but Cash pulled me to the side. He's like, what pitch was that that Torres hit? And I was like, oh, it's a changeup. And he's like, like, you're a reliever now. Just put that in your back pocket for now. So then I was just fastball, curveball. And then kind of halfway through the season, I ended up developing back into my slider. And then it turned into a cutter. So now I throw fastball, curveball, cutter. And I still kind of lay predominantly on the fastball, curveball.
0: Which one do you think was more effective out of your pitches that you got the most guys out with?
1: Uh, Well, if I look back at a lot of video, I think the fastball was probably the best one there. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, technology these days, and and like with these rap sotos and all sorts of spin rates and stuff that kind of... Get you to be your best version of you by telling you where to throw the ball and, you know, being a high spin rate guy, throwing at the top of the zone with a fastball is, is very effective for me, so I, I really like to throw my fastball and then, you know, until they prove they can kind of touch it, then I'll start throwing the curveball and cutter at late or you know, try to get them off of that.
0: Now, obviously, you played in the drop with the, with the Rays. A lot of players and ex-players have said they hated playing in the trop. They don't like it, they don't like the dome. Did, did you like playing in, the, in that, playing in that atmosphere?
1: I, I like playing in the trop a lot. Um, I think the majority of the people that say they don't like it are the visiting teams. So, you know, they're just not used to it. and it is a, It is a challenging environment, but you know, I think the dimensions play fair It's not like the ball's flying out of there. You know, there's no wind that's going to be like, oh, when it's a night game, the ball flies to right or any of that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I will say that the dome itself is very challenging catching. Like, I've shagged BP out there, obviously, many times. When it's hit straight on, it's pretty easy to see. But when it gets in the gap, I I kid you not, like, I would come sprinting in for a ball and it would be 20 feet over my head. So every rays outfielder and all those people that make plays out there deserve more credit. You need to give Kevin Kiermaier like 17 platinum gloves oh, yeah, because for sure. the plays he makes are incredible because I cannot see the ball in the gap at all.
0: Yeah, well, I think a lot of people just hate it and a lot of national people too hate it. I've heard it's because of the stupid cat but there's nothing we can do about that. Unless we get a new stadium.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I I, I do hope in the, in the long run that the Rays can figure out a new stadium because I think, you know, the community and the players and the front office and all the fans deserve that. And I think, you know, it, it's going to only help baseball and especially in this area. But it uh, it is definitely such a strange thing to have, you know, catwalk homers, catwalk balls in play and all that stuff. But who was it... Uh, Nelson Cruz that hit one off yeah. that catwalk playoffs yeah. this past year. Oh yeah. my god, though, it's it's exciting to watch because you're like, how far was that ball really gonna go when it hit oh, a yeah. catwalk? And came back down. Oh
0: yeah, is that honestly why you think we haven't had an All Star game in the trop? Is because because not only is it because of the dimensions and that it's a short little dome with cat catwalks. Is that why you think we haven't had an All Star game there with a home run derby? that sort of
1: thing yeah I, you know i can't say exactly why i mean I, it's got to be part of the reason um it is i i mean personally from living in st pete and commuting every there it's very easy for me to get there but i think a, a majority of the race fans live in tampa and i think the issue is just you know getting across the bridge you know five o'clock to seven o'clock yeah. timing and you know You don't have any time to go home. You kind of come straight from work and all this stuff. You know, I just think it's kind of a location thing. So, and and I, if I, if I'm correct, I do believe that the stadium was built for the hockey team. It was, and then kind of transferred over. So you know, it's not necessarily like your standard baseball park, obviously. So that could be a a reason why there's been no All-Star game or anything like that. So if you fix that, you get a new stadium, and then know no one complains because you can have an all-star game there you can do all that stuff
0: now obviously you were limited obviously in the four games you would have liked to spend longer with the dodgers but uh did you have a chance at all to play at dodger stadium
1: yeah so my second game i got called up i pitched in st louis which wasn't a bad place to play Mm -hmm. and then we flew back to la right after that and uh i did get a chance it was a Sunday day, day game and I think there was like 43,000 people there and I got to close out the game at the end and it was like, I remember I had, it was like a one-two count and, you know, all 40,000 people were on their feet clapping and I struck the last guy out and it was like, I kind of stepped back and, you know, it was like, this is, this is baseball at its like purest form, you know, day baseball, 40,000 people cheering and it's like Sunday, you, get, you got nothing better than that
0: yeah it's a much different dodger. atmosphere huh a much different yeah. atmosphere than the trop
1: yeah it was it was weird going from like such a you know you know just a different baseball f- like like i said before it wasn't built for baseball no. it's, it's a dome it's you know it is what it is and then going into like dodger stadium one of the most like famed stadiums with the craziest fans ever so it was it was from like one end of the spectrum to the other real fast
0: so who so in your short time with the race what coach or player taught you along the way because you're obviously a young player and you still are but who who taught you through that rookie year
1: um so definitely working with Snyder um Beforehand in AAA and then having him move up to the big leagues and meet back up with him—that was that was great because we already had our rapport built, and you know we had a really special relationship. I think, and that was pretty easy to to just go right up there and feel that comfort level where he can just say anything, and I get it. But um, I think the one guy that stuck out to me was Sergio Romo. Like having him around was like one of the best experiences because he's so lighthearted. But then, like, when it's game time, he's so serious, and he does his job so well. So, like, Mm
0: -hmm. having
1: Romo there to just, like, teach us the ins and outs of, you know, being a good teammate, uh, being a baseball player, like, the travel, the pitching, the mental side of things, it's pretty good to have a teammate like that.
0: Now, I know the Rays are masters of this. I know every team does this with their rookies, but... What did the Rays players do to you, rookies? Did they pull any pranks, special pranks? Because I know that's a whole baseball thing once you get called up with any. Yeah,
1: so they they really cracked down on the uh, the hazing initiative there. So like there wasn't anything they forced us to do, but. We had a lot of rookies that year. So uh, Sergio and uh, Carlos Gomez decided to uh, give us all baby suits. So we had a bunch of (laughs) babies flying from Texas uh, to Toronto. And I guess you could say our our, our initiation was they dropped us off a few blocks away from uh, the hotel in uh, Toronto and told us that we better uh, beat the bus there. So, you know, we're sprinting through Toronto at night end up getting to the front of the hotel and we had to um, do our rendition of O Canada without any mess-ups. It was kind of funny because, you know, <laughs> we are all panting and sweating and, and they pulled off the bus in the, their students you know, and we started singing the national anthem O Canada and there was like a group of 30 people that came up there and were just like watching us and filming us and we got a standing ovation next year and so that was pretty funny.
0: And taking all this in baby suits.
1: Yep, baby suits. I had a nice baby bonnet and a, and a big diaper over my onesie.
0: <laughs> oh, what they don't do to rookies. <laughs> it's funny. So, I know obviously you had a short tenure so far, and I know you hope to continue, and I hope you do as well. But out in your short little tenure you've had, uh, out of the batters you have faced, who would you say did you dominate and who did you least dominate? I know it's a few selection but of at, Yeah of hitters. Honestly
1: I, I do brag about this because, you know, I've met this guy a few times and I think he's the type of guy that you can you can bust balls with and
0: mm-hmm. we've
1: kinda we kinda came up playing against each other, we played against each other in the Cape and, you know, mm-hmm. kinda through the minor league but uh, my strikeout record against Aaron Judge—he's 0 for five with five Ks. I walked—I walked him once. But not many
0: people can say that. My
1: short—my short little span against him—I've I done well. And that as far as um, hitters that dominate um, me, I threw one pitch to Juan Soto. It was a first pitch curveball, and he hit a three-run home run. So,
0: Ooh.
1: He, he, that's not a guy that is uh too accustomed to getting out too much so i I can wear that one
0: there you go there you go but hey congrats on judge though not many people can say they've dominated judge (laughs) yeah i guess not no 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 so now let's talk about uh current events with your teams obviously you were with two so far the rays and the dodgers what do you think the Rays need to do to get to that plateau? Because they're off, they've been close twice, and they still are with the number one and number with the number one rated prospect, number one number one rated rosters and for minors. But what do you what do you think they need to do to just get over that hump to win the whole series?
1: You know, I I don't ever think that there's like a specific formula or a specific move that needs to be done to do that thing. Like everyone talks about going and getting that big name guy to get you over the hump. But, you know, in the end, he can't specifically bring you to that level every time. So I think that they just need to keep doing what they're doing because, you know, they end up finding that veteran starter that, you know, is kind of going through his little rough patch and then ends up turning his career around and getting right back on track Mm. and then they have the young guy that pops up out of nowhere and kind of does his thing like you know there's that random randomness to a good quality team that goes all the way and I think just staying the course and finding like eventually it's going to happen you know like you look at the the Braves this year you're like team was below 500 before the break and you know they obviously went out and, and made some moves but it, you know getting those guys you're not you're, you didn't sit there and say that's the, the key the key to the braves winning the world series you're like oh that's a good pickup yeah. so i think yeah. that they stick with their 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 normal routine of you know get that veteran starter have your young guys the load, and then obviously having Wander Franco as your shortstop is is not going to be a, a a bad thing for you. So, you know, they'll have the next guy up, the next young guy to step up to the plate and, and do their thing. And I think the the veterans that they go out will you know lead them, and you know it can happen any year for them.
0: So, then who do you think they replace Kiermaier with? Because he's gone.
1: Is Kevin Kiermaier gone?
0: Yeah, he's gone.
1: I didn't hear that. Yeah, he's gone. Did he get traded? Yeah.
0: Fifteen,
1: one, fifteen, nine, six, right now. Yeah. There was a couple seconds. Oh uh, well. Then I, I honestly, that's, got, that's kind got, of shocking. He
0: got traded to make room to, so they could sign Franco to that big deal.
1: I did. I, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's definitely a tough time to replace a. A guy like that, especially in the clubhouse and uh, out on the field. So, you know, you kind of stumped me with that question. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's tough, isn't it? So, now the Dodgers, obviously, I guess you can kind of say for them, I don't, but a lot of people are saying it was a missed, a missed year for them after winning the World Series last year in the bubble. But where where do you think they have to go from here?
1: Uh, I think that they have to, you know, put some more bullpen pieces together. Um a lot of their guys that they that they signed this past year, I think, are on to onto different things, you know. Being in that spotlight and, and performing well opens up a lot of eyes and, and can get a lot of uh people wanting you for different reasons out there. So, you know those guys kinda have to be replaced, but I think I think Belly will bounce back. You know, you can't keep a guy like that down too much, and yeah. he's he's too good to you know slump for that long. Right. And the the staff and the crew and the analytics they have out there will definitely have everyone bounce back. But I mean, they're kind of in the same boat, but you know, they spend a little bit more money on the superstars. So of course. I think uh, <clears throat> you know they have Trey Turner in there, uh, Will Smith is going to be a staple behind the plate for some time from years to come and then i mean they just have an endless amount of talent coming up through and they have the money to go out and buy those big guys so i think you know i don't want to say it's easy for them like having that money and having the the notability of being the dodgers you know it kind of sells itself so i think i think they'll be all right once they strengthen up that bullpen again
0: now, obviously, you haven't had the success so far yet in the majors. Uh, were you Were you also contemplating at all going overseas if no MLB team decided to sign you? Like, were you contemplating on going maybe the Mexican League, maybe over to China, Japan, Korea, any of those leagues to play?
1: I mean, definitely the you can see how many people are going over there right now. There's been so many signings and I think it's great baseball. And, you know, sometimes it's a resurgence in in your career. You know, people go over there, play a different style of baseball, get, you know, whatever it is they need to work on a a little bit smaller scale. You know, I think there's a little less pressure over there, especially, you know, with that communication barrier. You know, Mm. if I were to go to Korea, obviously I don't speak Korean. You know, it's kind of like I feel like it's a little less pressure than, you know, having the press and the news and the and all these fans, you know, constantly at your neck and telling you to do a little bit better. But I think it's an amazing sport. And I think, you know, I would I would honestly play it anywhere if I got the chance. So it's definitely something I've, I've contemplated before. And, you know, if the offer was there, I definitely would do that.
0: Now, uh, what about... Uh, Sternberg, I want to ask you, I don't know if you know much about this, but he wants to do a split city with Montreal. Ah, I, I can't see that ever. He says that's going to work, but I don't see how. I don't see how that can revenue money, bringing in money. Can you? I don't see how I, mean, money-
1: I think I think those guys know what they're talking about. Obviously, they're in their positions for a reason, and you know they've made their financial choices and all that stuff in in their own ways. But from a player standpoint, I don't, I can't see that working too well. Just because that's what, I,
0: that's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't see. How I
1: mean, work for one, you're going to have to take your families, you know, halfway to Florida, right. halfway to Montreal. Right. And two, I think. Getting a true fan base is, is, you know, developing those roots in one spot. And obviously Montreal misses baseball and they would love to have baseball back. But I think in the sense of, you know, you giving half the attention to one place and half the attention to the other just is, is a recipe for, you know, kind of failure.
0: So if that don't work, then do you see the league expanding maybe to Montreal? If that, if this whole split city thing don't come through, do you see expansion?
1: I mean, I can definitely see that. I, I think expansion is great for the sport. You know, you see how well other teams have done where they've created new things. I think there's a ton of national fans, obviously, now having the Nationals pop up and, you know, all the, all the other teams. And I think, you know, places like the NHL, like Vegas Golden Knights and the Kraken now, it's like... All this expansion is great for branding, and I think baseball doesn't have a huge reach right now because it's very localized. I mean, there's one team in Canada. There used to be multiple, and out in like the Midwest, there's nothing there too. So I think as if you can get, if you could ideally get a team like in every state, I think it would be great for baseball. So bring bring us more teams. There you go. There you go. And in North Carolina too, where I live.
0: So, uh, after after your pitching, after your baseball career, do you see yourself being a coach, broadcaster, or staying away from the game?
1: Uh, You know, I think either of those are would be a great opportunity for me. Um, Currently, right now. I'm coaching a 12U team out of North Carolina, so I'm, I'm starting with the coaching a little bit. I do a lot of private lessons,
0: there you go.
1: Um, but I did go to school um, with a focus on communications and electronic media. So I do have a little bit of background of being you know, behind the scenes working with some TV production and uh, on camera as well. So I think I could uh, possibly pull off being the talent on on screen too. Which
0: which one do you think would be more difficult for you, though, broadcasting or being the coach? Since you're obviously coaching now, I I know you're starting now, but what would you think is more be more difficult for you?
1: You know, honestly, I think coaching would be more difficult. Um, you know, speaking in front of the camera and talking like this is kind of comes natural to me, but it sometimes like that that's why there's good coaches and there's mediocre coaches it's like sometimes you just have to have that it factor of finding out a way to specifically communicate the same information to a person in a different way you know i could tell you one thing and you just don't get it and if someone told you it a different way it could mean the exact same thing but in different words and then That's how, you know, that's how those coaches really do well. And I'll I'll go back to this. I do think Kyle Snyder, when I was with the Rays, is one of those guys that, you know, can communicate to everyone because, you know, he's, he's played the game and in a setting where it was kind of like more recent than a lot of the uh, older guys but at the same time he played with the older generation as well so he's got a great um combination of those two and he can really communicate that well
0: so so far in your career the two years that you have played define your career in one word eventful eventful okay I can
1: see that. Yeah. Uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of surgeries. There's been a lot of transitions. I mean, when I got traded from the Rays to the Dodgers, I had just had my uh, first son. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got traded the day before my anniversary, or I got DFA'd the day before my anniversary, and then I got drug tested while on an anniversary trip. Mm. And then, basically, we packed up our house and put all our stuff in storage and went to the west coast for the first time in our lives with you know just bags for the seasons and then uh you know obviously we've everyone that plays in this situ- uh plays now has been through this little COVID thing which obviously not too many people can say they've played the game like that and then
0: yeah
1: you know, thankfully i've been able to play for Nine nine seasons, including the minor leagues, right now. So it's it's definitely been eventful.
0: So since you're now being a coach, I do gotta ask you now. Uh, for the kids growing up that want to be a pitcher, what do you tell them? And how would you coach them? Because it's a whole different ball game nowadays than what was in the old school days of when we were growing up in the 80s and 90s so that's a two part question what would what would you do and say to the the kids that want to be a pitcher um
1: well obviously i want to encourage them because it's the it's the route that i ended up doing and i i think it's a pretty cool position but um you know i like to work hands on with them and kind of you know Show them what I've done well and what I've done wrong. I use myself as, as an example quite a bit, but you know, I try to connect with the kids, um, whether that be talking about things that they like and kind of relating it to baseball, and talking about their favorite players, you know, showing them videos of their favorite players, and then I, I think I also, you know, take that old school mentality and the new school mentality because you know, I've been around some organizations that use the rap sodos, use the analytics and I understand the biometrics and biomechanics of all these things but at the same time sometimes you just have to do what feels right in your body versus, you know, what's mechanically right and what's going to generate the most power. So, I kind of I kind of like to to blend all that stuff together and and help them out. And in the end if they're not having fun, then I say We don't don't have to do this because baseball, especially at the level that I'm working with kids, is is all about fun.
0: So I know the obvious question is you don't care, but I still want to ask it anyway. I know we're under strike, obviously, and you can't sign or do anything. When this does all clear up, is there a specific team that you – that
1: you really, really would want to play for. Uh, you know, I grew up a Yankees fan, so I feel like that's a bucket list. But honestly, I would, I would love to go back to the Rays and, and get a chance to work with those guys again. You know, it it holds a special place in my heart. Having been drafted from them and came up through the system and given the opportunity to make my debut with them, so I think it's it's just kind of like a piece of my heart for me. I
0: would love to go back to the race. you still live in the area?
1: Uh, I'm actually down in Florida right now, um, visiting some family, but I live in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and so I literally live like 15 minutes from the Durham Bulls Stadium. So, you you know, Florida's a lot easier of a trip than (laughs) all the way out to uh, Seattle and Oakland, where I was these past two years.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, So... The last question I'm going to ask you now is define what your career ultimately will be in the end. Do you think it'll be successful to you or would you want it to be more successful if it don't go your way?
1: You know, I think in the end I'll always be grateful for the time I had, even if it came short like right now and it just ended. But I think I do still have more in the tank and and more to this story because, you know, I'm 30 years old and, you know, a lot of people think that's old to baseball right now. But from the way I feel, um, my body still has a lot to give and I still love the game. And I I want my kids to grow up around it and I want to – just be able to show them you know like what my life was about so we're definitely uh, I think definitely at the end of this it's all said and done Uh, I think I'm going to have the uh, opportunity to get back out there
0: I couldn't have said it any better I do appreciate your time but hey whenever you're I know you're obviously in the area now I don't know when you're leaving but next time you're in the area hit me up
1: yeah we definitely have to grab a beer or coffee or something
0: Coffee for sure. I mean, the wife can the wife can go for that. That's who inspired me to come up with the name.
1: Coffee time, oh, is Byron. She does drink yeah.
0: coffee. She does have a point, but I do drink it every now and then. So. Coffee. Yeah, I, I, I want I wouldn't mind drinking a cup. I actually had some of hers the other day, so it was pretty good. So yeah, definitely hit definitely hit me up whenever you're back in in the area, cause you're. Like you said, you're from the St. Pete area, so that's not even half mile, uh, half hour down the road from here. Let's yeah, you, yeah. Work, so let's do that for sure. Awesome but thank you, it was awesome. fun. Um, if you if you want, I can send you the episode still, so you can give it a listen. Um, and if you know anybody, for sure, have them hit uh, have them hit me up.
1: Absolutely, I appreciate
0: it, man. Definitely, it was fun. Um, And also, I'll stay in touch with you. That's the main thing.
1: I'm glad glad we
0: came in contact. Absolutely. All right, you have have a good night. Stay safe, all right? All right, thank you. You're welcome. Have a good night. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Jamie Schultz, everybody. Free agent pitcher, don't know where he's going to be. Hope he lands with a good team. Now that he lives in, he lived in this area. Hopefully, get to have a coffee sometime. So, but yeah, this concludes episode number 62 with Jamie Schultz, formerly of the Rays and Dodgers. Hopefully, we'll get baseball back going. But if not, I'll see you guys Tuesday. Until then, have a good night.